here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Everything Evolves, the world's only podcast devoted exclusively to Evolve Wrestling. There's some errands in here and some wrong boys, too. As you know, we're proud members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, which you can find on the podcast app of your choice. If you're checking us out on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe through the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network, or there is a separate uh, Wrong Boys Everything Evolves feed that you can pick up. If you're there, please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, all those good things. Uh, You can catch us on the Google Play podcast app, so check us out there. And if you're looking for us on Twitter, we're at EvolvePod. Uh, I'm Aaron Bentley, as you probably know. I'm at Aaron like the car, and Aaron Taub is at AP Taub. AT, the point of the show today is we're going to review Evolve 100, Evolve 101. We're going to talk about... Some of the uh, lower and mid-carter guys who got some bigger opportunities and kind of where we stand on uh, those guys, kind of where we think they're going in the future, and look forward to Mania Weekend. But let's start with the big stories coming out of the weekend, AT. Uh, What did you think was the biggest thing that you noticed coming out of Evolve 100 and Evolve 101? Well, um. I don't know. I guess uh, I feel like you had like a hotter or not hotter day. You had like sort of more of a, a thesis on this. So uh, not to just like kick it back to you immediately. <laughs> sure. But I, I don't know. I would say that like I really enjoyed uh, Evolve 100, which I was I had a chance to go to live. Um, I really did not enjoy Evolve 101, which I watched uh, at home. Um, but yeah, let, let's uh, I think that people should we can I think you have sort of a uh, more uh, high-level, cohesive takes. So I'll let you give it to people. Yeah, I'm always worried at the start of the show that like, after my initial spiel, it's just me talking for so long that I badly want you to talk. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if our listeners feel the same way. Maybe they could chime in and let us know if it's just too much AB at the beginning. I feel like it's the right amount. I feel like it's like, (laughs) I I don't know. You could. It was like, I I guess I just wasn't prepared for that specific question. I thought it was going to be like one where you're like, hey, what's going on? And I was like, like, I don't know. It's Monday night, you know, just hanging out um, in my Jimmy Jammies, uh, getting ready to get this podcast in, you know, before the ice dancing. Yeah, that would have been a good one. Uh, Let's try that again. AT, what's going on, man? What are you up to? 
Not much, just hanging out. I'm in my Jimmy Jammies and uh, getting ready to do this podcast and uh, watch the ice dancing. I understand Alyssa is a big ice dancing fan. Yeah, Alyssa is like a huge ice dancing fan. She loves like the very erotic poses that the <laughs> ice dancers do together, um, which is unfortunate that it just wrestling has never clicked with her because it feels right. like it should. It's very erotic. Um, like there was like one move where she just like, um, there was one move where the man was like holding the um, like the woman above her head, and then she, Elizabeth just yells, "I can't repeat." It would be rude to repeat it without her consent, but she just yelled something like very profane at the screen, <laughs> and I was like, "And I was like, babe, if you love this, you would love like a power bomb or a hurricane rana or like yeah. the many, uh, you know." the various positions in wrestling uh, that, uh, you know, approximate oral sex, you know, or, or look similar. To Excellent. Is she like, I mean, is Alyssa seeking out ice dancing other than in the winter Olympics? No, I feel, well, maybe she will after this. I feel like this has really piqued her interest. I feel like she's okay. just kind of like, um, but I feel like she's like a new kind of casual ice dancing fan. Yeah, like four years ago, I got really into curling. Love the curling. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, because I've always loved shuffleboard. Right, sure. Could have maybe, was it even longer ago than that? I don't know. But I really got into it and I found, I was in law school at the time. It must, so it had to have been longer ago than that. And I found a curling club in the town where I went to law school. And I was like, oh, I'm going to join this curling club and start curling. Uh, but it turns out that those the stones are like eight hundred bucks a piece. Oh yeah, it's a gajillion dollars. I had the same experience when I was in college, and I like went to the local curling club in Raleigh, and I like filmed like a feature for my college TV news thing where I went curling, and I just remember thinking, "Like, oh, I could never afford to do this um, in real life." But uh, but now I'm making that content money. <laughs> <laughs> getting that ad tech uh blog post money yeah uh, you know maybe maybe it's time for me to sort of uh pick up like uh you know i feel like i'm not quite an eccentric rich person hobbies but uh right. definitely something to aspire to well there's got to be like queen's curling club it has to be a thing yeah i'm sure it's around yeah all right well let me know yeah, now you yeah yeah. Oh, sorry. I don't know if Alyssa gets more into ice dancing. I'd be interested to hear about that. Sure. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm not deep enough in the bubble to know what Yuri on ice is, although I keep reading about it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But, like, tell Alyssa about that. And maybe that will lead uh, more yeah. into wrestling somehow. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's the anime. So right. Like but a it has... gay, it's like a gay ice skating anime. Okay. It's like a gay like love story that too. revolves right. around. Yeah, it's a gay love story, I'm pretty sure, that revolves around um, ice skating. So I feel like this is right up Alyssa's alley. Am I wrong? I don't know if she's into anime, though. She would never watch an anime. She wouldn't be caught dead. <laughs> Alyssa went to Brown. She would never. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah. Uh, That's just, okay. I mean, or just, you know. Sure. I feel my, like, uh, yeah, I feel like if we all hang out, I will be, I will feel really um, um, anxious around Alyssa in that she's obviously a lot smarter than I am. 
I wouldn't and, go that far. Uh, much better healed. And <laughs> I just think I'm going to feel like I'm like low-class trash around Alyssa. That's how I feel uh, every moment of my life. <laughs> so you'll okay. be in good company. All right. Excellent. All right. Well, I'll, I'll lean into that then. Yeah. Okay. So here's my take on uh, yeah. the Evolve weekend. It's that, I don't know, you like built this up. I'm not sure it's actually that well thought out or cohesive, but my thought is just the, the main thing is this. There are no shows between now and WrestleMania weekend, no Evolve shows. And there is nothing exciting for Mania. There is nothing to be blown off at Mania that I'm excited about. And I know they don't always do that. You know, last year they had Darby Allen versus Ethan Page, which did, well, for all intents and purposes, did blow off at, at Mania Weekend. Uh, but, and they had the WWN, you know, they crowned the first WWN champion. So that was a thing that built up, which had the catch point and Matt Riddle storyline built into it uh but there's other than the guys who are not normal evolved players who are going to be there sakimoto sawa uh walter kind of is osprey there's nothing else no other matches that i'm excited for for mania weekend and they didn't do anything on this weekend to build a new match that i'm really excited to see play out uh over mania weekend yeah, I think that that's I would I would agree with that in the sense that they built, you know, Riddle versus Zack Sabre Jr. But for a match that could feel like such a big deal, it feels like they kind of just rushed into it and it didn't feel like I'm not really excited for it. I, I'm sure it'll be really good, but it's not like it doesn't feel like but who knows maybe if we get some good mini doc action i think they could build it properly and get you to the point where you're really chomping at the bit to see it um i think that media weekend is tough though because you're wrestling in front of a crowd where it's like maybe a third of the people are people who are watching you all throughout the year and really keeping up with everything and then you have like a whole bunch of the crowd who's just like at Mania Weekend and going to the shows because, like, there will be good matches on them. And so it's, you're almost sort of better off saving your big storyline stuff for somewhere like Laboom where you're going to get a really great crowd reaction as opposed to, um, you know, Mania Weekend where who knows how many people, you know, if they built, if they built, for instance, if they rejiggered the timeline and built to like a second Darby Allen, Zack Sabre Jr. match at Mania Weekend, um, who knows if that would have landed the way it needed to and it would in, in New York. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's totally fair. It's just from my perspective, and you know, if you're right that, you know, a third of the crowd are people like us who watch every show, then who? Then this is no big deal. But that was my a total total guesstimate, by the way. Sure, sure, I'm sure. Just totally talking out of my butt. No uh, <laughs> backs or figures, but just right. it's kind of spitballing from like Mania Weekend last year and how like that Darby ang that Darby Allen angle where he came out of the coffin just like was no one had any idea what was happening, <laughs> you know? So yeah, yeah. So I I get that. Uh, but if you are me or someone like us who watches all the shows, like I'm probably closer than ever to 
trying to offload my my Friday afternoon tickets to go see Rev Pro, especially now that they announced Zach versus Ishii. So they, well, let's we talked a little bit about on the preview show what matches were already booked uh, for that weekend. Let's run down that again and and what what we've now learned from this weekend and what we're looking at. So yeah, let's um. Let's keep it quick, though, because I feel like we talked a lot about the stuff last episode. So yeah, we yeah, try to, yeah, run it through quick. But what we know going into Evolve Weekend, I know from looking at the numbers that more of you listen to the review shows than listen to the preview shows. So this may be new for you. Uh, we know that the Thursday night show, Evolve 102, is going to have Daisuke Sekimoto, Muna Norisawa versus Tim Thatcher and Walter. AR Fox will take on Will Ospreay. And it looks like we'll get Matt Riddle versus Zack Sabre Jr. for the Evolve Championship on that match, on that show, based on the fact that either Matt Riddle or Zack are already booked for another match uh, for the other two shows. Anything about that card, AT, that you want to comment on? No. I mean, you know, the dream matches are cool and good. But, yeah, I would say that all these just feel like, with the exception of maybe Walter Darby Allen the next night that we'll talk about. Everything else just feels like a dream match. Right. So for Friday afternoon, uh, the 4 p.m. show, Evolve 103, we know we're getting Matt Riddle versus Daisuke Sekimoto and Walter versus Darby Allen. That's the show that runs directly up against the Rev Pro show that's going to feature Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tomohiro Ishii. So, like, I really want to see... I really want to see Walter versus Darby. Uh, that's the Sekimoto match I'm least excited about. But ah, Zach versus Ishii sounds... I'm just leaning closer to trying to find a way to go to the Rev Pro show at this point. Then the Friday night show, 8 p.m., the WWN Super Show, which, you know, now that Impact has announced Scott Steiner, I don't know, man. Might have to make my way over. No, fuck Papa you. Pump. Come on. <laughs> you don't want to see Big Papa Pump? Not as much as I want to see uh, Chris Dickinson and Jocka versus Walter and Timothy Thatcher. That's fair. That's fair. That's one of the matches that's going to be on WWN Super Show, along with Keith Lee versus Daisuke Sekimoto, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Muna Norisawa, and Matt Riddle versus Will Ospreay. Now, there and, are a co- I'm sorry. Go no, ahead, Sorry. AJ. I was going to say that Dickinson and Jaka versus uh, Ring Comp match has a little juice to it because there is that like sort of catch point uh, Ring Comp beef and sort of the Stokely Hathaways, uh, you know, split allegiances. So that's in That's I think that for me is like maybe the most exciting match of these. But I'm also like not a. I need to like watch my Sawa and watch watch my like Sekimoto before these shows so I can like have better opinions. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the best built match. I wish they could have done anything on these shows to have stoked that fire a little bit. I know, uh, you know, clearly they didn't have Walter on the cards and Thatcher. I don't know if he's back in Germany or what um, with WXW, but that would have been nice to see the other matches coming out of this weekend that look like we're going to get them you know, maybe at Mania weekend. Uh, Jarek 120 versus Darby Allen and Matt Riddle versus Austin Theory. And we'll talk about how those have come to be. Another one I'm thinking about is, would you be surprised to see a three-way with the Workhorsemen, Doom Patrol, and The End? 
Oh yeah, it definitely looks like that's happening. Also, I would correct. I wrote it in our run sheet, but I'm an idiot. Riddle is booked for all three nights, so it won't. Assuming he's booked for Zach against Zach on that Thursday, he's he won't wrestle theory over mania weekend oh that's right but it definitely does seem like they're building to a like some kind of triple threat tag match between the workhorsemen and uh the doom patrol and the end right which again we'll talk about that a little more okay so the that's you know that kind of closes out my takeaway on the fact that uh we don't really have a lot of exciting things coming out of this weekend to get excited for for mania i'm sure that i will get excited about a lot of these matches as we get closer i mean getting to see sekimoto is uh, going to be excellent and these matches are going to i mean the matches we just talked about are all awesome matches they're all going to deliver it's just it's hard to compete with uh you know saber versus ishii as we talked about on the previous show and they didn't do anything to the core Evolve fans to get us really hyped up. Like, yeah, I know Zach is taking on Ishii, but I'm getting whatever cool payoff to to this story. So that's a little bit of a bummer. The other big thing coming out of this weekend was that the promotion gave some of the lower guys and mid-card guys some big opportunities. And I think it'd be fun to talk about each of those guys and I think your suggestion, A.T., was we do a little buy-sell. Like, are, are we buying or selling this person in this spot? Are you with me? Or are you Are you? Yeah, cool yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm into it. I'm, like, trying to think of the best way to do it. Because it's like, yeah. I don't know. It's tough because, like, um, there are dudes who I was like, oh, they didn't look great this weekend. But would I sell them? Probably right. not. You know what I mean? Maybe hold. I don't know. It's stocks are hard, you know, I never really know. How they work. I just put the money into the retirement plan. Right, right. You know, my, my, my dinky 401k, you know. Real elite hours over here. What? <laughs> I feel like everyone, like a lot of people have 401ks. Uh, I don't, well, I mean, a lot of people do, but. Do you have a 401? Do you have a retirement plan? I Yeah, I mean, I have an IRA. Yeah, that's what I, that's sorry. That's what I mean. I have an IRA. Yeah. yeah, I have an IRA. It's not, you know, some years it's better funded than other years. Sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you, should, no. Should we do a segment yeah. on our retirement plans or? No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm trying not to think about it. This is like, we're escaping. We're having fun. We're that's talking right. about that's wrestling. Right. I don't really need to talk about, you know, how I'm going to work until the day I die and, right. you know, die in a climate tsunami at 50 or sure. whatever. Well, I think, okay, I, I feel where you're coming from, A.T., that sometimes yeah. you don't want to sell these guys, but, and I know you don't like to, uh, you don't like to offend anyone, yeah. but I, I think for the purposes of this game, you're going to have to take a hard stance. Oh, no. Okay? Doesn't mean that later on we might change. Yeah. But uh, let's make a, let's take a hard stance today where you are on these guys. All okay? right. And the idea okay. is, We've seen them in this uh, new part of the card. Are we buying them in that part of the card and going forward from there? Right. It's not like, do you think this guy should stop wrestling forever? Uh, just do you think it's going to work where we saw them this weekend? Okay. So let's start yeah. with the, the biggest one. Uh, so this will, and this will be a little weird because it will lead to us talking about some thoughts about the matches later, but we're going to do it anyway. So first one, uh, Mid Carter, who got a bigger opportunity this weekend, Austin Theory. Are you buying or selling Austin Theory as you saw him this weekend? 
I got to sell him. I got to sell him. I still think he's a main event. Again, because I don't like to offend people. You're right. And I I think, um, you know, I'd you know buy him later on. I think he's a main eventer eventually. But uh, yeah, that main event against Zack Sabre Jr. Um, was not a great match. And I guess you can say in some sense that it maybe wasn't booked to be a great match. Like I was, um, I was at the show with TJ Hawk and we were watching it. And, um, I, you know, obviously I went on a big limb last week and was like, Austin Theory's winning. Austin Theory is Austin Aries. It's happening. Um, and then obviously I was the wrongest boy, um, which is good because I'm just being on brand. So there's really no consequences for ever being wrong on the show, which is uh, a nice little uh, feature we've built in. But uh, but yeah, I turned to T- to Tej uh, halfway through the match, and I was like, "Oh, Theory's not winning," because this doesn't feel like a good enough match for him to win the title in. You know, like if he if there were going to be a, it didn't feel like a match that was going to be exciting and important enough to have a title change. Um. So yeah, so the match wasn't great, and then his post match promo was like fine, but you were talking about it. Both you and, and TJ pointed out that like the crowd was booing him and kind of like giving him stuff to work with and yelling, you know, like you tapped out or you still lost or you're a loser. Um, and he could have, I mean, you were, you mentioned that, you know, a more seasoned performer um, might've been able to adapt and to use those things to build more heat. But instead he just kind of like went through with the promo that he, you know, the things he'd planned to say beforehand um, and I would agree with that assessment. It was not um, a performance that made you go, oh, yeah. Like, I think he's had better. Like, I thought he looked better in the Derby match. Um, and I don't know to what extent that that was just sort of the way the match was booked. Like, this match was, Zach was dominant throughout this match. I don't think, I don't know if there was any time really where Theory got more than one or two moves Um put together in combination. It felt like you would hit a big move, go for the pin. Zach would kick out and then, you know, they'd fight, they'd fight a little bit and Zach would very quickly have control again. So, um, so I don't know how much my perception is being influenced by the fact that like he was booked to look weak in, you know, kayfabe, but, but yeah, he just did not come off as like the high level star that I think, I still think he will be. And I think that he's looked like in the past. What do you think? Yeah, so I think the way we're framing the question, it's like, are you buying Austin Theory as a main eventer today? Because that's where he was this weekend. The answer is no. Right, yeah. Yeah, I've got to sell also. Because, like, I see him getting better as a wrestler, obviously. But what you were talking about, I I wish I had mentioned this on the preview because I was thinking about it then. In in the mini-doc, to build up that match, Theory has a, a nice little part where he's, uh, you know, talking about how he's going to beat Zach. And a lot of people talked about how good he was in this mini doc. My takeaway was he was a guy who was almost there. He was showing in that mini doc because he came off, he presented well. You know, he had that the, the vibe that you wanted him to have, but the lines that he used were very cliched. Uh, attacks, you know, things what he was saying about Zach. Like, he did these really good pauses where, in between his lines, like, to really drive home what he was saying, but then the second half of them would always be like, and yeah, I'm going to beat you. 
You know, it's like completely run of the mill. Um, he's a guy who looks like a high school quarterback. And sometimes you worry, does he think like a high school quarterback? Ooh, that's some anti-jock bias. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And actually, as I was saying it, I was thinking, well, the quarterback's probably the smartest guy. But, mm. uh, well, that's not true. But it sometimes can be true. That's probably a stereotype. Uh, but. Yeah. Everybody a lot of stereotypes here. coming out of, out of your mouth over I know, there. I know. But everybody understands that. the point that I'm making. Um, and that's really all that matters. So I got to sell at this point. Um I don't think they could have. I mean, the key to the question is, could they have legitimately gone into New Orleans and sold you cards with Austin Theory on top? No way. Not a chance. Yeah, their core fans are still going to go, and they have these big matches, so not that big a deal. But nobody would have taken it seriously. Uh, would have taken, at this moment, nobody would take seriously three Austin Theory title matches in uh, in bigger spots on these cards yeah no you're right but he wouldn't have been main event at, you know who knows right. how many times the evolved championship is going to main event sure anyway Let's but go. no you're right all right so uh moving on from austin theory the next guy got us got a spot uh or a shot rather as kind of like an upper mid carter let's say james drake who at evolve 100 got a, a shot at matt riddle had a very good match with him are you buying james drake as an upper mid carder, as a singles star. Yeah, he was great. This was a great match, this James Drake-Matt Riddle match. This was just terrific. It was intense, and you felt uh, how badly Drake wanted it. And I liked, um, you know, it's like uh, he keeps that flying stuff in the back pocket, so you almost forget that he has a moonsault. And then when he does it and Riddle kicks out, I mean, the crowd just went apeshit. And I mean, in that LaBoom crowd, they love Matt Riddle. And towards the end of that match, I would say they were like 50-50 with pulling for Drake and pulling for Riddle. Um, Yeah, match of the weekend, I think. Um, A match that, you know, credit to Matt Riddle. You know, this was probably one of the best Matt Riddle matches. Or or not the best. I don't want to say. It's um, the Matt Riddle I've enjoyed the most, you know, in a a while. uh, Match. Wow. Some some good words. Yeah, thanks. You understood what I'm saying. Yeah, and I thought Drake was great here. I thought that this was just like a really good match, and he came off as like physical, but just uh, very earnest and sincere, which is a quality that uh, I enjoy generally in people and in fictional characters and wrestlers, which I guess are something in between. So, yeah, I uh, I liked it. I, yeah, I'm, I'm buying uh, James Drake as an upper mid-card singles wrestler and part of, you know, a tag team. I hate to agree again, but I'm buying on James Drake. I like him a lot better as a singles wrestler, to be honest. I think it lets him pace out his offense better. And he was so good here. Uh, I mean, I was legitimately convinced halfway through this match that he was going to win. Like, they got me on on his near fall. I was like, wow, what a huge win this is going to be for James Drake. Uh, I was all in on it. So, yeah, I, I couldn't buy it more. I would like to see him elevated a little bit as a singles wrestler. Uh, happy to see him continue to tag with Anthony Henry, but uh, I like him as a singles wrestler. So following up on that, the next guy. Uh, I, Do you want me to, maybe I'll ask you and then you can give your take first. So okay, I don't have sure. to give this take every time. Sure. Uh, the next next guy is Anthony Henry, 
who wrestles, you know, James Drake's tag team partner, who uh, defeated Tracy Williams at Evolve 100. AB, are you buying or selling Anthony Henry? I'm, I'm trying to think of where Tracy is slotted compared to Riddle. I mean, that's below Riddle, right? This isn't as high of a slot that they were yes, yeah. throwing him into. I'm buying Henry in that slot. I wouldn't buy him at the, the next step up. Um, you know, and he's getting cheated here a little bit because they're not asking Drake to do mic work because uh, I thought Henry's mic work really showed that it wasn't up to snuff as far as being a little bit higher on the card. Uh, when he had that promo before their match with the end, it was kind of meh. But in the ring, he keeps getting better and better the longer he's been in Evolve. And... uh he was he was very good in this match with Tracy. He just got he's got so much fire, which is something that I really like in wrestling. I know that's really unique, uh, but <laughs> for what people like in wrestling. But yeah, I think he's very good. I think he's only going to get better, and I'm buying. Yeah, I think I would buy him in that slot too. I wasn't as impressed with him as I was with with Drake uh, this weekend. Uh, although Drake did a little bit of mic work, you know when he told uh, riddle not to let the physique fool him love it's just a good it's a good uh you know country north carolina accent for james drake um and uh yeah so i would say that uh yeah i would say i would i would say the same thing i was as i was watching the match in the building i was like oh you can really feel that this is important to henry and that this is a big match for him um and uh yeah i really enjoyed that match well i guess we'll talk more about it later a little bit more about it later. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I don't want to like just talk too much about it. But yeah, I, I you know I like the spot where he spat on Tracy Williams from his knees. You know, you you felt um, yeah. So good good on Anthony Henry. I'm buying in kind of a mid card slot, and, and as you know, in a featured singles match. Okay, uh, the next on our list is Shane Mercer. So I, I guess the question for this is, he was at the, about the, not the Yeehaw's that low, but he was at like the beginning of the card, the lowest part of the card, I would say. So are you buying Shane Mercer as a main card, bottom of the show type guy? Yeah, which is kind of how I thought of him going in. This match, the match against Yeehaw, I thought was solid i hate i hated the finish i really hated the finish we can talk more about that later but i don't know it kind of i don't think that i got anything any more information about him that i didn't have which is i love his power moves i I think he has you know some amount of like presence but there's also parts where you're like does this guy have enough presence to be a star and you know those things can develop so it's like he has a cool move set he seems like a great athlete very strong but you're like um you know like the iron demon is like his nickname and you're like "Mm, let's think this one through don't you think yeah like like, he could have a little he could have a little more pizzazz a little razzled a little more razzle dazzle i think yeah i happened to see him in his home promotion Mm -hmm. you know and like uh in front of you know 100 people or whatever where he's very over like people love him uh, or they did in in that promotion, uh, but yeah, he's like, I think his original gimmick is like a knockoff Sheamus gimmick. 
I think that's where it stems from. Okay. He's, I mean, he is like red hair, kind of pale. Don't know if he's Irish, but maybe. Um, so I think that's where it like starts from. And he, his gimmick is kind of cringy. It was on the, on the indies evolved still an indie, but on the lower indies, like the ring announcer announced him uh, in that promotion as weighing in at 225 souls which made me nice. want to like crawl under the ring and die. I remember yeah. that at the time I tweeted about how ridiculous that was. And the ring announcer said, yeah, can you imagine having to say it? He like, he tweeted that back at me. <laughs> mm. So yes, I, I agree with you is what I'm saying. And everybody knows I'm a big Shane Mercer fan, uh, but I'm actually, I'm going to sell. Really? Yeah. I, this was, this was Mercer's worst performance in Evolve to date. Now, I'm not a huge Yehi fan, so I could blame it on Yehi. And I don't know enough about the mechanics of wrestling to say this. But there were a lot of, like, stilted, awkward parts in the match. I can't say who to blame them on. But they felt at times, to me, like it was it was Mercer, not knowing where to go next. So if, if I were uh, – if all I were deciding off was based off this one performance, which is what we're doing here – I would say, uh, let's pump the brakes a little, push you back down. You know, he's been good in these 10-minute matches, but when he gets a 15-whatever-minute match with Fred Yehi, it was uh, it was not as good. So I'm going to sell just for now. Big fan going forward. All right. A bold take. I appreciate it. Thanks. And uh, what about our pal, the non-Jewish Dominic <laughs> Garini, the big lad himself? Um he wrestled Fred Yehi at Evolve 100 and uh, kind of like kind of his biggest featured match to date. Um, he met, he wrestled KTB in kind of a shorter kind of squashy match at 101. But uh, yeah, what do you think about what do you think about and also for the yeah yeah what do you think about Dom and also explain the part about how he's not Jewish because it's like a weird thing for me to say. So, well, we'll have to talk about that in the scope of the match. I think. All right, that's. Yeah, that's what's called a tease, it's a tease. folks. It's a very good tease. Yeah. Check in later to find out why Dominic Garini isn't Jewish. Right, why this dude with like a not overtly Italian last name. <laughs> right. right. Uh, yeah. You know, when you said it out, when you first said like Garini, I thought I'm going to sell on Garini. Then I pulled up my notes from the match and I remembered that I actually, this was my favorite Garini performance in Evolve so far. I thought he was better than I previously thought. So, and I was really not looking forward to this match. If you go back and listen to the preview, I was really worried about how this was going to turn out. I thought it would be just like a grappling, uh, like a nightmare, wet dream or exorcism kind of in that, uh, in that realm. And so I was really worried about that, but I ended up liking this pretty decently. So I'm, I'm buying Greeny in this spot. It's a good spot for him. Yeah, I think so too. I I, I like Greeny. I'm pro Greeny, and uh, mm. I would say that um, I like I like his grappling. Like I have a lot of like I guess it's maybe it's like my ADD or I don't know what it is, but like I like grappling where there's like a lot of transitions and it's moving quickly. I don't like it when it's so much like just sort of like sitting in a hold or like you know sort of the more. Um, pristine grapple fuck style but i like uh, a, a grappling where there's like a lot of like movement and counters and reversals 
And I, I think that there was a lot of that in this match with Yehi, and I think that that's just generally what I've seen with Dom, and I thought his like big knees looked really good. Um, yeah, so I was into it. I like him. Okay. Yeah, cool. I, by, by him, yeah, he can definitely wrestle, you know, a singles match, you know, on the main card. Okay. All right. All right. I'm not sure how we how well we executed that uh, segment, but <laughs> we thought we'd try something. Yeah, I feel like I feel like if we do it again, I gotta like generate some fake outrage. Like if you're like, oh, I'm selling Shane Shane Mercer, I gotta like PTI it up and be like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, he's got star written all over him. You know. <laughs> well, we were we were very specific. We were just talking about uh, yeah, today. Right. So. Right. All right. Well, it's time to get into the cards. So we're going to start with Evolve 100, which happened uh, Saturday night at LaBoom in Queens, New York. Uh, AT, of course, was in the audience. So start us off, AT, with your overall thoughts on Evolve 100. Yeah, I thought this was a great show top to bottom. There was nothing. I mean, I think that the Drake Riddle match was the best match on the show um, and probably of the weekend. But I don't think there was there was nothing that was like match of the year Mm, I just kind of like. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) Right. I mean, a week after burying the entire concept of voting on a match of the year, I thought, you know, it's it's kind of like, um, you know, when we think of ourselves as socialists and despite the fact that we recognize the sort of um, false consciousness that we're living under, you know, under capitalism, the fact is that we do sort of exist under these systems in our lives and it can be hard to break free from them in much the same way you know internet wrestling fandom sort of boxes us us in to this sort of um you know this match of the year star rating you know hegemony that we need to sort of break ourselves free from and look nobody's perfect and uh you know i'm not either so yeah, when it, comes to, when it comes to star rating and uh, ranking matches, we definitely have nothing to lose but our chains. It's, uh, it's no so true. It's so yeah. true. Um, you know, so there wasn't anything that was like a blow away, like I will remember this match for the rest of my life kind of match. Um, but everything was very good to great, I would say. So great show, great crowd, great hot New York City crowd. And it felt like Gabe posted on Facebook before Gabe Sapolsky, the booker, posted on Facebook um, before the show that it was the like biggest uh, advanced sales that they'd had in New York. And uh, I think what, like, you know, they've been really going back to this New York market and building it. And they've had they're coming off a couple months of really good shows. And I think that paid off here was with the advance where people were like, oh, yeah, this is like my hometown promotion. I can follow the stories. They keep coming back here. The shows are great. The venue is great. Um, yeah, great, great vibe. I feel like I should disclose for all my takes on these shows this weekend that I kind of watch them in weird ways because I've been doing a, a little home improvement project, which has uh, taken over my life this weekend. And my uh, my mother is in town as part of this project. And so I didn't get to watch either of the shows live. And I was trying with all my might to throw in uh, as many of the matches from Evolve 100 as I could on Sunday night. 
uh, because that was my first chance to watch any wrestling. And uh, so I don't know, to, to the extent that affected any of my takes, I don't know, but I just wanted everybody to, to know that as we're going into this. Overall, on Evolve 100, and that's this is kind of why I'm saying that, I wasn't as crazy about it as everyone else was. The crowd was great, but I thought that it was really start and stop, that it, it there were a few momentum breakers uh, thrown in uh, in the middle of the card here and there. And so I liked it a lot, but not nearly as much as I liked the first show. I think that was of the last weekend's. Um, what would that have been? Evolve 98. Uh, I liked that card a lot better than I liked Evolve 100. So, uh, but it was good. So let's talk about it. Preliminary match, Darby Allen pins Jason Kincaid uh, in a three-way match. Jarek 120 was also in the match. Darby uses the Last Supper to get the win. Were you surprised that Darby got the win in this in this match, Aaron? No, no, because um, it's clear that he's going to be a guy. Like he's not going. I know they're doing the story where he's starting at the bottom again, but I think it's pretty clear what they have in him, and uh, that the plan is for him to ascend the card. So yeah, I'm not not surprised that he got the win here and sort of continues progressing back up the card and and building to that. You know, I don't know. I'm going to be excited, you know, three months from now or whenever the time comes where they've sort of built him back for the rematch with Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, I'm going to be excited for it. And this was this was fun as hell, don't you think? Yeah, I thought I had the first thing on my note is lots of fun. Uh, I thought this was the best I'd seen Jarek in a match. This yeah, this was the best best Jarek Jarek match of all time. Although, or did he like watch? the five or ten Jarek matches I've seen. Sure. Did he botch that spot like over the top rope and then do it again? I don't know. I don't know. Because I thought that too, but then I was like, I didn't notice anything. I was like, it's weird that he did it twice in a row, but it's kind of cool if he's just like trying to kill the guy and does the same thing right. twice in a row where he, he did this like springboard little leg drop. I, I must have the- missed it because I was sitting next to TJ and TJ was like, oh my God, oh, we almost just watched the death, you know? <laughs> So oh I don't, yeah, because like the first time he like he like flipped back and went into the railing. Gotcha. Okay. And so I think yeah. he just repeated the spot, which was you know pretty bizarre. It looked good. Uh, I thought it looked good because he was like he was like really going for it. It was like flashy, but like kind of mean. Did you see the guy on the stage with the disturbed reality shirt on? I did, and I considered just going up to him and being like, "So, is this? Are you wearing the shirt sincerely or ironically? You know, <laughs> are you a fan of the YouTube star, Jarek One Twenty, or of the wrestler? Yeah, or of the memes? <laughs> right, sure. There are some some good memes, good Jarek memes. So after the match, uh, Jarek says that Darby was just lucky, and that. He, Jarek, would be able to beat Darby one-on-one just like Zack Sabre Jr. did. Uh, Darby gives Jarek a slap to the face, uh, and then Jarek runs out of the ring. We get Darby on the mic, and he tells everyone that the Zack Sabre Jr. losses in the past, just like the last 99 shows. And after the next 100, everyone will know that this is Darby Allen's damn company. Any takeaways from the post-match here, A.T.? No, well, I guess we're getting Darby Jarek, and that'll be chill. And sure, I assume Darby will beat him and continue climbing. Um, yeah, Jarek is like from Darby. Yeah, Jarek is in a weird spot, isn't he? Like 
he doesn't ever really feel like he's moving up the card. But he also doesn't feel like he's moving down. He's like the king of the prelims. I right. Feel he like. just like, like he, sort of like it's like they he's like definitely a part of the core roster in a way some of the other preliminary guys aren't. But I don't know. I guess he's like on that same level as Jason Kincaid. Or I guess you know, after the next night a little bit below, maybe. But yeah. It's weird. Like he's straddling the line between the pre show and the main show. It's just like Jarek doesn't even feel like he exists in the same universe as say Matt Riddle. Correct. Yeah. I can't even imagine them wrestling each other. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah, he's okay. I think he's just like an opening match guy right now. Yeah, it's just when he first came in, I thought, oh, it seems like Gabe really likes him and maybe they're gonna push him up the card, but no evidence of that thus far. Yeah. Okay, the next match, uh Fred Yehai defeated Dom Garini uh with <laughs> I'll just I'm gonna read straight from AT's note here with some kind of double arm float over DDT thing. That's what it was. Well, on my on my notes, I wrote Yehai with question mark. So yeah, we both kind of had the same thought about the finish there. Uh, but what did you think? We talked a little bit about the match, but what did you think here when you saw Fred Yehai snapping a four match losing streak? Yeah, I thought I thought it was good. I, I enjoyed it and. Um... I think the things I said about the grappling before were true. I like that one spot where it was like, uh, Yehai, like, you know, feigned like he was going for a takedown, and then Garini, like, jumped up, and then he, like, sweeped his legs out. No, he, like, what was it? He feigned the takedown, and then Garini dropped down, like, to, like, Wizard or whatever you'd say in, you know, in real wrestling. And then, like, Yehai stomped him and drop kicked him. And I thought that that was, like, a really fun exchange that, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. This was good. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, not as well as the first match, but I liked it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the weirdness started after the match. We get a Fred Yehai promo, which includes... Well, let me start with this. First, Yehai uh, comments that he was last year's WWN MVP. And I can't tell you how tired I am of this line. It is like it's reaching... Uh, devil's favorite demon, uh, you know, monster among men level of like everybody says it constantly, and I'm, I'm so tired of it. No, you, you're a yeah, good no, player. it's it's not great, but it's just like it's a gayism, you know, dating back to like homicide as the 2003 MVP of Ring of Honor. It's like a guy who has good matches, but like doesn't really win anything significant. But like they want you to know, it it almost just feels like a, like a thank you from the promoter. But I don't really know that it ever really resonates with the fans because it's like, um, it's like a weird breaking kayfabe kind of thing. Because theoretically, like the MVP would be Zach. He like had the best right. record. He won the most right. matches. He was the champion the whole time. Right. And so it's so it's like also like a fake thing because. Everyone knows that, like, and I guess, like, WWN includes all the other promotions that, you know, we weren't watching, but I don't know. It's like, yeah, everyone knows the real most valuable player is Zach. So why are we saying this? Yeah. Although he did use it kind of interestingly here because he yeah. says, you know, even though I was the MVP, I'm in the second match uh, against a guy who wants my spot. And his response to that was to say, quote, I tortured him, I beat him, I took control. I was the Spanish Inquisition. He was an unfortunate victim 
of religious persecution. So that was a thing that was said on uh, on this show. Uh, that is what led to us finding out that Dominic Guarini is is not Jewish, uh, with AT doing some very serious reporting on that topic. Yeah. So what, what was your thought on uh, on this line, this part of, of Fred Yehaz promo? It kind of hurt my feelings. He <laughs> said to be like, really, to be 100% like sincere. I was like, damn, you know, I don't know. I was just here having a good time. And now we're kind of like talking about the Spanish Inquisition is like, that's cool. Like, and I know like people were like, no one really knows what it was or they know it as a punchline or it was a long time ago. And so it's like, yeah, it was in like the 1400s, but basically the people in Spain were like, uh, we're going to like kick all the Jews out and like, you have to convert to Christianity. Um, but even if you were only converting to Christianity and we find out that you're like faking it, we're going to execute you. Um, there were attacks on Jewish people and it's like a long ass time ago, right? Like I don't have any relatives, you know, that I know of that were in the Spanish inquisition and in, like the late 1400s, but I don't know. I guess it's just like one thing where it's like, it's not like sort of like the attempt to ethnically cleanse Jewish people out of different countries, like stopped then, you know, it was kind of like, I don't know. It was just like, um, I don't know. It annoyed me. And I know that it's stupid and I know it's like not like actually problematic, but I still, when I heard it, I was like, oh man, like, I don't know. Like, I kind of want to just go to the show and like be an assimilated person and not have to think about like, uh, you know, being Jewish and like the long history of persecution of our people. Which I know, and it's like, I know I'm like basically a full white person in New York anyway, you know, like, you know, I feel like I'm like a minority in Kentucky, but like a white person in New York, you know, um, but like, but it's still like, I don't know. I don't know. It was just like, it was just weird. Is that fair? I, I think it's totally fair. Uh, I mean, this is a, a, it's not just something that he threw out there. He clearly planned this line. Yeah. So he thought about it and decided it was a good idea. Yeah. So, and I think it's even worse when something hits you that way and it doesn't really hit anybody else that way or, yeah. you know, not a lot yes. of people. It's like, yes. damn, like, yeah. no, I get it. I do want to say that a full 20% of Kentuckians are Jewish. Just want to be clear really? about this. No. Uh, yeah, we have about, yeah, about a 20% Jewish population. I like I think- I think Don't that's true. Back, I feel like Jews are like 6% of the overall United States population. Okay, I could have made it up. But I did this, uh, I had this case a while back about uh, people who are incarcerated getting married. And I did this research about what percentage of people were incarcerated versus other, uh, versus minority groups. So that I could argue to the judge, like, this would be like saying uh, Jewish people, you can't get married to a Jewish person. And uh, I feel like it was a pretty large number. No, Jews are 0.3% of the population in Kentucky. Is that true? They're 8.9% of the population in New York. Yeah, there okay. like aren't so a lot of Jewish people. Been, so my number would have been crazy. Yeah, okay. you know why? There like aren't a lot of Jewish people around in the world anymore. Uh, no, I haven't heard. Yeah, it's just like, a, you know, they like killed 6 million of them, <laughs> you know, like a half century. Right. You know, it's like, that's just, you know, just like, no, a sure, thing to think about. yeah. 
you know. Yeah, that's the thing that happened. Yeah. I, uh, I'm sorry that I've made such a fool of myself. I'm saying, I don't know where no, I came up I with was like, I was like, because I was like, I feel like in your life, is one out of every five people that you know in Kentucky Jewish? Uh, I can't speak to that, really. Do you I know like, a lot of, how many Jewish people do you know in Kentucky? I know a lot of Jewish people in Kentucky. Really? Yeah. Well, you also have to think that... Um, right, in activist circles, all the, like... I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure Jews make up like 20% of the socialists in Kentucky, but like 0.3% of like the yeah. full population. But I also have done a uh, some litigation on Jewish issues in prison. Mm. And so I've met a lot of Jewish people through that. Right, and you're uh, a lawyer to begin with. Sure. But like I I, uh, I did a case on the, the about the kosher uh, meal plan in Kentucky prisons. And so... You know, I needed uh, I needed a rabbi to be my to be an expert in the case. You know, so uh, I had some interaction with uh, non incarcerated Jews related to that. We're actually looking at a new case about uh, the kosher meal plan in Kentucky prisons, but that's unrelated to this. But yeah, so the line made me think that maybe Dom Greeny was Jewish. I was like, maybe you know, obviously Greeny not a Jewish last name. Maybe his mom is Jewish. And I tweeted about it, you know, because it was like, you know, was because right. so what I wanted to figure out was this like a targeted attack on Dom Greeny right. or just like a funny thing that, and if, like, I know it wasn't intentional, so I'm not like mad, mad about it, especially because yeah. Dom Greeny replied on Twitter. He's not you confirm that he can said, I can confirm that I'm not Jewish. So it wasn't <laughs> like a specific attack. It was just like a funny thing that Fred Yehi thought of to say. So how would um, you have felt if Yehi cut this promo on Nick Gage? Right. On, you know, fellow tribe member, maybe. A lot of rampant rumors that Nick Gage is Jewish. And if you, our listeners, have the answer, please tweet us at EvolvePod. If you can find us evidence um, that about Nick Gage being Jewish, um, it would make my life. I will talk about you on the show. Um, I'll think of some prize that I can give you. Um, you, could, you could send them a... Uh, no, I'm not going to put you out like that. Because like, I mean, what? Say it. I'm cool with it. Well, just because you're wearing it, I was saying you yeah, could yeah, send in a wrestling fan yeah, if, if someone offers us proof of um, Nick Gage being Jewish, I will send you a free wrestling fans against fascism T-shirt. The T-shirt I'm wearing right now, uh, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin giving Donald Trump the stunner, um, and uh, you know, all the profits you know that we've had of go go to the uh, National Immigration Law Center, but I just I'll give it to you for free and I'll donate you know the the twenty dollars to uh, then NILC. So yeah, if you have confirmation of Nick Gage Judaism, if you have video footage or anything that we can know for sure that he is a real Jewish person, uh, you will win a free Wrestling Fans Against Fascism T-shirt, provided we have one in your size. I so badly like I really look forward to just tweeting out Nick Gage Jewish. You know, like, I just, I want to make that tweet. That's it. Yeah, yeah, right. Same. We're all rooting for that, it. Uh, <laughs> we are. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But um, right. then so, the, uh, the, uh, the rest of Fred Gai's promo was he said that he's in a class of his own, uh, which he calls the savage weight. So less controversial remark. I'm, you know, fine with him being the savage weight. Yeah, it's not that exciting. Like, bruiser weight is much better. As far as like yeah. X weight nicknames people have come up with. Yeah, I feel like he and Jaka can be in the same Also, Jaka's the savage. Both, 
They're both Savage Weight. They should make a Savage Weight Championship. And <laughs> they wrestle on every show. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. All right, the next match. Anthony Henry, as you mentioned earlier, defeats Tracy Williams uh, with a high kick and a roll-up following a collision between Tracy Williams and Big Stoke, Stokely Hathaway. Of course, this is one of the many uh, dissension and catch point stories, uh, this time breaking down between Stokely and Tracy Williams. Uh, Stokely got up on the apron. Anthony Henry whipped Tracy uh, into Stokely, and that's where we came uh, into the finish. Tracy Williams has now lost four matches in a row. Uh, You said earlier you were buying on Anthony Henry, so you must have liked this match, A.T., yeah, I thought it was really good um, for some of the reasons we talked about. It's sort, sort of like how much it seemed like Anthony Henry communicated the stakes and his intensity, and it was a lot of good action. And I thought that um, – I think I like Tracy Williams a lot better when there's not a lot of grappling. Like when he stands up and trades with people and is just like, you know, fighting and doing cool moves and like, you know, looking mean and vicious, I think he's a much more compelling wrestler than when he's – grappling and so i really enjoyed this i like it when he doesn't grapple so yeah this was definitely good tracy uh he was brutal he was uh fast-paced with his offense and he seemed like he was trying to win at all times and that's about all you can ask for so i really like this as well at this point in the night it was my my favorite match of the show to that point so i was pretty into it after the match stokely and tracy got in each other's faces Stokely wanted Tracy to accept his apology for causing him to lose uh, and shake his hand. But before he could do that, Jock and Chris Dickinson ran out and then the end came out and they started brawling, uh, leading into their Evolve Championship match, uh, which ended, Evolve Tag Team Championship match, which ended in a no contest uh, when all four men entered the ring carrying chairs. Have you ever seen someone disqualified? for bringing a chair into the ring. Not that I can think of, but I'm sure it's happened in WWE and like probably within the last month, you know, WWE like just disqualifies everyone for like fighting too hard or whatever. So I'm sure it's happened, but not that I can recall. But there are so many matches played around the trope of guy gets weapon, thinks about hitting other guy, decides not to hit other guy because he's a good guy. Like, I don't know. Yeah, this was an early stoppage, uh, I think. Yeah, they should have to at least hit each other first. Yeah. I, I hated this a lot. I hated everything about it, to be honest. There was nothing good about it. Um, it's the second consecutive tag title defense to end in a no contest. And since winning the titles in September, Doom Patrol have had two no contests and uh, only one win, which they got over the Ugly Ducklings and the Gymnasty Boys back in October. So... Any thoughts on this match other than that it sucked? Well, I thought it was fine. It's hard to separate the match from, like, the post-match because the post-match was really cool and fun. Like, the the match was just sort of like a a thing to – a fast, brawly thing to get to the post-match, which had some cool stuff. Like, you know, jock a hit. Yeah, if you want to run down the post, should we run and talk about the post? I would just skip into the post-match, which I thought was more interesting and, like, cool and good. Yeah, so Jocka does hit – Perot with a chair shot, which is what should have caused the disqualification. Mm. Uh, <laughs> That's good that we have a lawyer on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, these are very... I mean, the rules in wrestling are so clear and yeah. uh, 
are and not at all arbitrarily enforced. So yeah, this is administrative law for uh, people <laughs> who want to know a little thing about the law. That's what they call it. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely administrative law, and I should be a wrestling administrative law judge. I don't think there's any question about that, uh, and I should get all the Chevron defense. <laughs> that's like that's a really deep, uh, deep administrative law joke. Okay, and and I'm I'm in deference, of course. I'm very tired. Chevron deference. Some lawyer is writing me a nasty tweet right now. Yeah. Okay. So Jaka hits Perot with the chair shot. Dickinson does a Van Daminator style drop kick on Odinson. We get Odinson, Williams, uh, Drennan, and Anthony Henry gets involved in brawling with all these people. Henry does a big splash uh, off the top rope onto the outside. Stokely runs into the ring, grabs a chair. Like he's ready to fight. He takes his sweater off because, of course, you cannot fight in a sweater. But Drennan sneaks up behind uh, Stokely with a baton. And when Tracy goes to make the save, Drennan hits Tracy with the baton. Uh, Drennan starts to go after Stokely, but Doom Patrol makes the save there. Ends up hitting the death trap on Drennan. Stokely whips Drennan with his sweater. And uh, it all ends with Stokely, Tracy, Dickinson, and Jaka sorting out their differences and giving each other the catch point handshake and then posing in the middle of the ring, making the, uh, the catch point hand sign. So. You enjoyed this uh, post match, yeah. I mean, I think that this is one of uh, one of Stokely Hathaway's better perform. I mean, all the, not that his other performances are bad, but yeah, this was great. He was. I thought Stokely was great here. I thought his timing was superb. You know, when he runs out after the fight's done, and he's he's firing up like he's ready to fight. He's swinging the chair around, and then you know. When he's whipping jet, dreaded with his sweater, yeah, he was just he was he was really really good, and I thought his timing was superb. Um, I thought like Henry's big splash onto everyone looked cool. I thought the brawling and stuff looked wild. The Van Daminator drop kick was cool. Everything was cool and intense, and then like Stokely was really funny. Um, so I thought it was like a, a really good, fast paced, and entertaining uh, post match, uh, you know, gumbo. Yeah, I just didn't care about it. Like the way the end has been booked at this point, I just can't get interested in what they're doing. Anthony Henry being out here seemed bizarre. Like he was by himself and it was like, why are you here? I mean, you're here to do this uh, dive off the top, I understand. Right, but. that was weird, where he, like, brawled to the back with everyone, and then they, like, sort of brawled back out onto the stage. It was a bit contrived. It was like... yeah. And I guess he is feuding, you know, in that sort of like triple threat feud with, you know, Catchpoint in, in the end. So, yeah. But yeah, it was like a little bit like they were like, we need, we want Henry to be on stage for this portion. Like, how, like, we'll take, we'll bring him off and bring him back on. And I don't know. I did enjoy, like you were talking about, like, it's funny that Stokely runs off as soon as he realizes the end is coming out. And then when it looks like they're subdued, he you know, comes back out. That is good. But otherwise, like, I just turn off. When, when, it, when they came out and, it, and I realized it was going to become, well, it looked like it was just going to become a plunder match. And I was like, oh, they're just going to do a brawl, like a no contest brawl. It really started to make me worry. Like, oh, are we admitting that the end can't go in the ring with, with the other evolved tag teams? And we kind of got 
pretty similar stuff the next night. So I'm, I'm, I'm worried at this point of what the promotion thinks of the ability of Perot and Odinson to wrestle with their established tag teams. Yeah. Although I thought, you know, I thought they looked fine and good against, you know, last month against um, Tracy Williams and Greeny. But yeah, it definitely does feel as if they are being, uh, you know, hidden or protected, but not yet. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll talk more about their protection uh, on Evolve 101. The next Uh, match... But uh, Also, I just wanted to make a quick uh, uh, correction from earlier, or or just brief diversion about the Jewish people. Uh, The Jewish Jews make up 3% of the total American population, not like 6 or 8 or whatever I said, so... I'm I'm mostly glad that in this conversation we got every statistic wrong about uh, the Jewish people. Yeah, I mean I was a lot closer than you were though. So that's Yeah, sure. I was I was way off. I think I think No, that can't be right. I oh 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 here's where I was wrong. What I was talking about in my uh, argument that I made was in uh, my county. Now, it doesn't mean that there are 20% of uh, Jewish people in this county, but it's a much higher number of Jewish people in, in Louisville, Jefferson County than there are uh, throughout the rest of the Commonwealth. Gotcha. Anyway, I'll report back next episode with a full breakdown of uh, Jewish people in Kentucky. Yeah, thanks. I want I want a whole history. You know, how do we get there? What's it like? You know, yeah. Sure. Uh, well, you know, Justice Louis Brandeis is a uh, Louisville. Oh. Speaking of famous Jewish huh. Louisvillians. Yeah. So there you go. I'm starting the, the history lesson right yeah. there. Yeah. All right. The next, great, the next one of match, our great regulators. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Down up. <laughs> uh, the next match featured no Jewish the next people. Match is Matt Riddle, right? Wait, is Matt Riddle Jewish? What a segue. No, but, you know, the regulators. You're talking oh, about right. Justice Brandeis. Then we we're talking about regulators, you know. <laughs> Man, Nate that would have been good. I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was focused on my joke that there were no Jewish people in the next match, mm. um, as far as we know. But yeah. anyway, anyway. Uh, before so it's going to be Matt Riddle versus James Drake. Before the match starts, Riddle asks Drake if he's up for doing a no ropes bro- no rope breaks match, and James Drake says he's never turned down a fight, and uh, warned Riddle not to let his physique fool him. So uh, Matt Riddle ultimately defeats James Drake via ref stoppage after strikes. Uh, this rule, this was absolutely the best match of the weekend. I think you already said much the same. Uh, I guess my favorite part of this no rope breaks thing is, one, it's different. So it does add a little bit of excitement, or not excitement, but just a little freshness to the card. And two, they're using it in the match. Like It's not just, oh, no rope breaks, but Riddle has figured out cool ways to pull it in and uh, make it fit in the match. And he's going all the way with this gimmick, like of I want to use my MMA skills in the ring, uh, which was shown by him finishing this match uh, with strikes, which that bumped the match up a lot for me, the finish did, because I was like, oh, uh, you're going all the way on this gimmick and I'm very into it. I think you liked the match just as much as I did. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a great match, and uh, I loved how they they also used the 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 no rope breaks to like toy with me a little bit and my expectations in a way that I thought was great. Like, um, you know, James Drake hit that moonsault for two. The crowd bought it and went bananas, 
And then he did a second moonsault that was like countered into a bro mission and they rolled into the ropes. And in my brain, I'm sure in a lot of brains, the people watching people were like, oh, that's the finish right there. Smart way to like integrate the ropes into the finish, you know, but then Drake, you know, gets out by, you know, with an overhead kick and the crowd came unglued for that. I thought that that was like a great way of sort of like the way we're trained to understand wrestling is like, of course, like, that's the finish because that's what makes sense with the story that they're telling you about Matt Riddle. And then it like, they trick you. Um, and so I thought that was great. Riddle looked so vicious and, um, you know, serious in, uh, putting Drake away, uh, with, with those, those elbows. Um, Drake got over big in this match really came off like a star. Um, yeah, it was so it was, it was really good. You know, I, I gave Matt Riddle a fist bump on his entrance, so I like to think that that kind of propelled him to the win. Um, yeah, yeah as I was watching the show, it, I was like, "Oh, that's pretty weird." Like, I think Aaron is uh, is betraying Zach. He thinks Zach is going to lose in the main event, and now he's trying to get on the next horse. I think is what was going on there. I was. Um, I don't know if I was as hurt by it as you were about the Spanish Inquisition joke. but i I was definitely hurt i was definitely i felt a little left out in the cold there yeah well um i'm sorry you feel that way but uh i didn't mean um i didn't mean it like that it's just uh he put his fist out Uh, i wasn't gonna you you can't leave a bro hanging you know regard if you even if you criticize them on your podcast on a regular basis you you know you can't leave if a bro is going for a fist bump in good faith you you have to um return the fist bump i think, I think unless they're like, like in the, unless like there's like you know like he's a bad person or something but i don't right. think he is or anything like that so, no yeah like and you know matt riddle has definitely never listened to this podcast so he has no idea that you have criticized him on the show yeah it so. probably was not out looking for me in, in the crowd um yeah so yeah, I bet he. I, yeah, I would put him among the people yeah. in the locker room least likely to have listened to this show. I'm sure recently he was like out there looking for people who criticized him on Twitter or something. Sorry, what did you say? It didn't like come through for whatever reason. It sounded all muffled. Oh, I was saying. I think I thought I read on Twitter that there was uh, a show where Schlack, I think is how you pronounce it, the Nazi guy. Yeah. Um, was like looking for people who criticized him on Twitter in the crowd before the show nice. or after the show or something. Yeah. I don't know. Good guy. Uh, yeah, really great guy. So the the interesting thing I thought here after the match was Riddle purposefully kind of got out of the ring and, well, first... And got, Dude, you're really breaking up. You should uh, check your internet connection. I'd just like knock the crap out of him. And so it was pretty quick for Drake to uh, recover, but I thought it was cool that Riddle gave him this moment, recognized what had just happened. and was like, you know, take this in. Are you there, Aaron? Hello. Hello. Yeah. I'm having some trouble hearing you. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just, uh, I was just talking about that. It was cool that uh, that Riddle kind of like gave this moment to Drake to soak it in. Cool. Yeah, I hope it comes through on the podcast. So if you're <laughs> listening now, 
and it comes through really fuzzy and like muffled and you can't really hear what Aaron's saying. Uh, yeah. That's what happened. That'll Great be radio. cool. Okay. Yeah. Are you but with no, me now? Was, yeah, yeah. I hear you better now and I'm glad, I'm glad they gave uh, Drake that moment. It was sweet. <laughs> okay. Next match. Keith Lee defeats AR Fox uh, via pinfall with the ground zero. This was AR Fox's first loss since returning to evolve. Uh, how did this one play in the building, AT? I thought it was good. I thought that the crowd was with Keith Lee, which was just um, a mistake on their part. Because uh, this AR Fox, this act with the Skulk, his posse, is just so good. It's like the coolest and best thing in wrestling right now. He comes off like a total superstar. To the point where it was like, to me, Keith Lee felt like just a guy, and 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 everything Fox and his and his crew did was just like great and entertaining. Whether it's you know him celebrating him just getting a kick in on Keith Lee at the beginning of the match, or you know the crowd chanting one more time for for you know Keith Lee to like slam him in the corner and and the and the skull going no, you know I thought they were great. I just. Everything they did was like funny and cool and good. Um, you know, Keith Lee kicked out of the 450, and uh, my guy Liam Gray was like, "Yo, whose rep is this?" And that popped me. Uh, I just like can't imagine seeing Keith Lee and Ar Fox, and just like not thinking that Ar Fox is the coolest guy who everyone should cheer for. I, I just, I mean, he's just the total package. I feel like he's 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 athletic. I, I just like. The act is so much fun, and it's just like it's a. It feels like a party, and um, yeah, I think Joe um, compared them to Special K. Joe lands on on the the flagship. Talked about how they were kind of similar to Special K, and they have that Special K vibe where they just sort of multiply. And every you know new show, there's like one or two more members of the Skulk, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. I love the whole act. So much. This was a fun, competitive back and forth match with some cool near falls and a, and a great hot crowd. Um, so yeah, I just I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. I almost got out of it at the beginning because, like, Ar Fox was really kind of overselling all of Keith Lee's offense, and Lee was doing like the the thing I really hate, where he does the kick out and throws the guy like halfway across the ring. And it was like almost, I don't, not that I watch WWE that much, but I hear a lot about this on the flagship, but it was almost like Braun Strowman level of like, oh God, like I really, this is too much. It almost took me out of the match, but AR Fox got me back into it because he rules. Uh, I pretty much had the same take as you of like, how could you possibly boo AR Fox after like, seeing these two dudes out there, which I know this is the same take we had after the Matt Riddle AR Fox match. Yeah. He's he's the coolest guy in the promotion. Yeah. Everyone else looks like a huge nerd next to him. Yeah. But this also kind of, I thought this in the past, but it kind of solidified this for me that look, I do like Keith Lee. He's kind of grown a little stale with me. But the big selling point of Keith Lee to most wrestling fans, it seems, is that they just think he's really cool. And I'm not sure that's true. Like, and people, I know people are thinking like, oh, yeah, 
AB is the arbiter of uh, of who's cool and who isn't. But I was I've really keyed into his uh, theme song a few times, like the lyrics, and like they're not good. They are in fact actually bad when it comes to hip hop lyrics. Uh, are you with me on this at all, At? Oh yeah, I think. Um, I mean, and obviously, uh, like we two white guys uh, should be deciding whether hip hop lyrics are good. By the way. Well, look. I mean, are we the full arbiters of all you know, hip hop? No, right. We're we're not here to do that. But I think like we can sort of you know ascertain a base. I've listened to music before. You know, <laughs> I've listened to rap songs. I feel like I can ascertain like a baseline goodness or badness. Right. And, um, you know, for instance, like I'm pretty comfortable saying, you know, that a line like, um, you know, I'm trying to find it. It's, um, you know, to always aim high, shooting for the stars, vision so clear that I can see Mars. Like, that's some real Curtis Blow shit. You know what I mean? Right? That's like we're like going backwards in time, oh. like hip hop's origins, right? That's like not a good one. Um, but um, you know, I think like it's it's cool. You know, it's cool that he can do all the athletic stuff that he can do, and he does have like a ton of charisma. I think. Yeah, sure. Right? But um, but you can't be coming out to a song where you're saying. From the top rope, I reign supreme. I'm worse than any nightmare, exorcism, or wet dream. <laughs> wet dreams are good. Yeah, they're dude, not, they're, you know, they're not nightmares. Or, you know, I just, and I can't tell if it's like, I'm worse than any nightmare, and then exorcism or wet dream is supposed to be like the two kinds of nightmares that there are. Or that he's worse than all of these three things. Like, he's worse than a nightmare, he's worse than an exorcism, and he's worse than a wet dream, which is, like, three random, like, <laughs> random things that aren't, like, in that context, aren't, like, totally related. I guess nightmare and wet dream are related, but... Yeah, but exorcism is kind of weird here. Yeah, so, um, but really, read the one line that kind of gives us the most pause. Yeah, and, like, this has always given me pause. The first time I heard... This You're like, wait was, a second. Yeah. So uh, the, it's actually the next line. Respect to those who try to step in the ring, but when the bell sounds, catch a beat down like Rodney King. Mm. So in this case, so in this case, let's just to get this straight. The other guy is Rodney King. Right? Yes. Yes. So the guy administering the, the beat down would be Keith Lee. That's right. Ipso facto, Keith Lee is a cop. He's a cop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, like later on in this, he does like three lines about, um, uh, I, now I can't remember what it's called. Uh, <laughs> this is great. Dragon Ball Z. Dragon right. Ball. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Um, let's let's yeah. Underground breaker, wrestling's innovator, strategy, ability, super scion maker. Over nine and three zeros. Nope, I'm not your hero. Time to bow to the throne. Ugh. Ground zero. So yeah. So 
Keith Lee is absolutely the guy you hung out with in high school who like was also in the comic books. And so like maybe he played on the football team, but no, this guy is, he's not a bad guy like the rest of the football players. He's in the comic books, but then you catch, like you find him on Facebook while you're in college and it's like, Oh, uh, now he's a cop. He's like a literal (laughs) cop. He's that guy. Right. He was like a huge comic book nerd who was also just a freak athlete and like sort of unbelievable athletic abilities. But now he's using those skills for uh, law enforcement. Yeah. Just, just to be a cop. So basically Keith was a cop and that's the point of this segment. Yeah. I don't know if it was a good segment or a bad segment. I feel like I could (laughs) have executed better on the, the Rodney King bit. I thought that um, I, it was a little heavy handed. Um, I wanted to, you know, I just came to the realization earlier when we were on the phone and I, and I wanted to reproduce that in an authentic way, but it just, uh, it was very contrived, but, um, that's okay. Yeah. I don't know. We'll workshop it. We'll do the yeah, bit again next, next month. <laughs> yeah. All right. The main event was the Evolve Championship match. Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Austin Theory uh, by submission with what was referred to on commentary as a banana split hold. Um, so let's start with the match. This was uh, – well, I want to start with you, AT. What, what did you think about Zach defeating Austin Theory? As we've already established, you thought Austin Theory was going to win, and you uh, were probably the most wrong you've ever been in your entire life. Yeah, because he got dominated here. It wasn't even close. Um, yeah, this was fine. This is like underwhelming. It was sort of like definitely in like the – it was like a below average. As we were walking out, TJ was like, yeah, it was like a below average Zach main event. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. It was a, a below average Zach Sabre Jr. title defense. Um, but it was booked in a way that they're like telling you this story where it's like theory is, you know, and, and I thought Lenny Leonard did a great job on commentary of selling this as like this great, ath- this great young athlete against someone who's a great wrestler. And you see sort of theory... You know, he he has his big moves that he's able to catch you with out of nowhere, but he's not a good enough wrestler to, like, sustain, you know, um, the advantage throughout the match. And when you combine these great moves and his athleticism with Priscilla Kelly, he's able to beat people like Fred Yehi, but he's not going to be a Zack Sabre Jr. yet. And that's, I think, the story they're telling. And I don't know if he was supposed to look delusional with the post-match promo, Um but that's like how it came out. And I, I, I'll assume that that's like the story that they're telling is right. Like Priscilla Kelly is like pumping him up on how great he is. He thinks he's so good, but really he's not on the main event level yet. And uh, maybe it's time for Jason Kincaid to like sort of break him free of her spell and realize, you know, you know where he really needs to be. That's, yeah, that's one a little thing I noticed. Yeah, sure. One thing I noticed early on in the match was they go to the like the first Priscilla spot where she jumps up on the apron and is trying to distract Zach, right? And that usually leads to Austin Theory attacking that person from behind and uh, getting an advantage. Zach moves out of the way, and Theory almost hits Priscilla. I think it was a way of telling us that Zach is too smart for this the normal stuff that they do in these matches. That's not going to work here. But, and also, I don't know if they meant to do this, but on there was no other point on either show where this little like distraction type thing happened, and it didn't work. It always worked, except against Zach on this 
at this spot in this match. So I think they were really telling us how much higher they think uh, Zach is than what theory is right now. Yeah, and I feel like I kind of gassed myself a little bit going into this where it was like, I think because I saw a lot of potential in theory and I know that like the company does, I was like, oh, he's he's like a main eventer in their eyes. And and I assume that he is in the future, but if you sort of like look back at like the cage match, you know, um, history, it's like, oh, he he has a lot of wins, but he hasn't really beaten any that many people of like real significance. Um. And so yeah. it was this was a, a sharp, you know, leap in class. Like he'd beaten Fred Yehai, but both of those those victories came with help from Priscilla Kelly. Um, and that's like the highest person, you know, on the totem pole that he's beaten. So Right. Of course, even in this match, you know, Priscilla Kelly hit hit the move on Zach, but that still wasn't enough. I mean, they really I would they didn't bury Austin Theory in any way, but they did say like Nah, dude, you are you are way below this. You have a long way to go to get to Zach's level. So, um, which makes sense for sure. It just felt like they were thinking about hot shotting him um, up the card, and so I guess it looks like that's not going to happen. Which I think is probably the best move based on where he is right now. So after the match, uh, Zach grabs the microphone to thank the fantastic New York fans for a hundred great shows. Uh, Matt Riddle's music hits. He comes out, uh, says, what's up, bro? And he says he thinks he's going to be the next Evolve champion. So he wants a shot at Zach for the Evolve title. Uh, I thought this was interesting because Zach pretty much always accepts a challenge. Like When somebody comes out and they say, you know, hey, I want to challenge you for the title, Zach's like, whatever. He's like the, you know, Joe Doring. They're like, okay, sure, whatever, come on. Uh, I'll take on whomever. But here he says, look, uh, Riddle, we are one and one in non-title competition in Evolve. So, yeah, I'll give you a match, but you got to become the number one contender first. Uh, To which Riddle responds, so you're telling me there's a chance, which is something that I have sometimes said in the past. And I realized in this moment how dumb I am uh, for ever having used that same joke. No, this was good. Riddle's timing was great. It was funny. <laughs> I liked it. I really liked it. I was like, I was like, good bit. Good. Well, I was like, well played. I enjoyed it. I was like, totally for it. I thought it was funny and good and cool. All right. Well, then I, uh, with me. Yeah. then I accept that I am funny and good and cool again. Yeah. So I'm glad to uh, give you that permission to, uh, to love yourself. It's very important. <laughs> Thank you. Priscilla Kelly's still out. She does the, uh, the touching Riddle's chest thing, which, which Riddle really seemed to enjoy, I must say. I mean, he was like, yeah, this is cool. I'm into this. Uh, it leads, of course, to Theory attacking Matt Riddle from behind, which, wait a second, does that place, is that them telling us that Riddle is also below Zach in like a really subtle way? I'm reading way too much into that, right? How so? Just because Zach was the one who didn't let that happen to him. In his oh, match. right. Yeah. Um. No, I, I, I get that vibe. Okay. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Never mind. It's fine, um, but I just, I didn't, I don't know. Riddle goes to fight off Theory, but Priscilla Kelly jumps on his back, uh, and that leads to Theory saving Priscilla Kelly and getting Riddle in the Theory KO. And here's where the promo happened that was uh, a real problem. Uh, he says that Riddle is the past 100 shows. Theory's the future of all wrestling. He's the epitome of what every guy in the back wishes to be. Uh, 
and that neither Riddle or Keith Lee can touch him because he's a legend. This was interrupted throughout by a chance like, uh, you still lost. Uh, somebody yelled out that he's a loser. And Theory showed a complete inability to, to change at all what he was planning and to put that uh, put what was happening to him into the moment and try to use it to help himself. Instead, he just cut the promo he was planning to cut, except that he would like pause like he was taking in what they were saying and kind of like working on it maybe. But it was like, now nah, here's just, here's the can line that I had for you. So uh, this was just a really weird moment, just a bizarre way to end the show. Yeah, it didn't make Austin Theory look good. It made him look kind of like a chump. But maybe that's the story. The story is maybe that he's like a chump and he needs to get better. But he did look like a chump. (laughs) All right, let's move on to Evolve 101. Uh, This was Sunday night at the MCW Arena in Joppa, Maryland. Uh, Overall thoughts on Evolve 101. You've you've kind of told us that you didn't like it as much as 100. Oh, yeah, it sucked. I hate these Joppa shows. I hate the crowd. I hate the way they just feel like house shows. I feel like they don't serve alcohol in that building, you know, because the crowds are just like more abound every single time. Um, and it just, it always just feels like the shows just feel perfunctory. And um, I don't know. I never, I feel like every time I come out of them, I was like, I could have skipped this show. Um, there were some good things. I, I really enjoyed uh, the Chris Dickinson, Zack Sabre Jr. match. I thought that the like the Yehi Mercer match was all right. It was solid, but uh, yeah, I was. This was a skippable, very skippable show. I think. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Sorry like, to be you... such a yeah, a hater, but. Uh... <laughs> well, you text me on Sunday night and asked if I was watching, or if I'd wa- like. I, this, you must have texted me right after it was over. And I said, no, that I was actually just watching the first show. But you immediately told me that it wasn't very good. And I was like, oh, man, like I really expected to hate it. And you're right. Most of these Joppa shows suck. Um, But I thought it was like fine. I thought it was pretty good. There was some stuff that I liked on it. So now I will have to uh, out myself here in that I, for time purposes, skipped the prelims. So if I hadn't done that, maybe the show would have felt like longer and and less good. Uh, but so because I didn't watch those, but well, I think it was, I like it, was it wasn't that, like everything was bad. I think I was that was unfair of me, I guess. It was like it was just fine, it was just there, like nothing. There wasn't a lot of stuff that was like terrible or anything, I guess, but it was just like I like didn't need to spend that time watching it, you know? Oh, sure, yeah, like would I have rather been watching something else? Uh, maybe, but there were. I mean, there were two matches that I that I liked pretty well, uh, and the main event was fine. Like it was pretty good. So it's hard for me to say the show was bad when there were three matches that were worth watching. Um, but in uh, this well, like competitive into- in this competitive wrestling environment, fine is bad. Fine is a waste of time. Fine is like I can be watching a million other better things. It's no longer enough to just have a fine show. I mean, that's true because I definitely, even as a regular Evolve watcher, I didn't come out of this with much new information at all. So that is bad. 
but if I'm not contextualizing it, if I'm just saying in a vacuum, like, I don't know. I didn't feel like I wasted my time watching the show. I, I was, I was fine with the decision that I, that I made to watch the show. Um, but I'm glad I skipped the, <laughs> the prelims. So sure. Uh, we'll let you give us some thoughts about those. Uh, Dominic Garini started off the show defeating KTB uh, via submission with the Mighty Mouse German suplex armbar combination. Uh, how was this one? How did Dom look? Um, he looked fine. It was KTB was fine. It was chill. Um, I was kind of hoping that you would have things to say about the prelims. Cause, uh, yeah, I usually I come like on here and go. bury the prelims. It was fine. It was chill. Uh, you know, good little win for Dom. Uh, all right. I, I, I won't make you, like I won't make you talk too much about these matches. You pipe up if you got something to say yeah. about these, but I do want to run down the results so people know what happened. Uh, if you didn't watch Rayo defeated Dante is a Cabanero via yeah. pinfall with a spinning kick. Uh, this was a three-way match. that also, also featured Ace Perry and the final, prelim match uh jason kincaid defeated jarek 120 with the compassionate release so i guess the interesting thing from that is that we've now slotted kincaid uh, above jarek that jarek kind of has to stay on the on the prelims and kincaid maybe gets a featured spot next time yeah good good little win for kincaid the match like wasn't a blow away i was so distracted by the commentary actually because it was just like you know like constant like horning out over candy cart right and it was just like, um, I don't know. It's like funny because it's like, because like, like granted she's very attractive, right? But she's very attractive in like the most conventionally possible way, right? Sure, she's a blonde with big breasts. Right, and like in skimpy clothing, she's like sure. the most obviously attractive person and just to like, spend so much time on commentary, like talking about how she's hot is like the most boring thing you could say. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you're like, it's like, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's attractive, but like we all are aware she exists in this promotion um, entirely as eye candy. Like, you know, thanks for your insight. We get it. We get it. You're like hetero males. You'd like to fuck her. Like, it's fine. Like, I don't know. It just like, it just feels like, I don't know. I'm just, and I'm not like even offended by it, but to the, but I'm just sort of like, this is stupid. This is like, this is like the lowest form of discourse is to like talk about how Candy Cartwright is hot. It's offensive in that it's so lame. Like, yeah. So base. Yes. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. As I was like, I spend a lot of time thinking about Tim Barr when I watch these shows. And uh, he's in our head. Yes. And this time I was thinking, like, is there any doubt in your mind that Tim Barr has a Hillary for prison t shirt? <laughs> this is a good bit. And uh, I appreciate the callback. And uh, I can, yeah, he pro- probably, probably. Does. Yeah. I just, or he's at least like thought really hard about buying one. Like, yeah. For sure. Like, I just found out that, uh, do you know who Oliver Peck is? No. He's a tattoo artist? No? No. Uh, anyway, it turns out he's a MAGA chud, and uh, always a bummer when you find that yeah. out. Yeah. I was so sad about Vicky Guerrero. 
because I always yeah. loved her work. And then I was like, oh, she's a MAGA shed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, what a bummer. Like, luckily, I mean, this is the only time I've ever been glad Eddie is dead because I can just assume forever that he was the wokest boy. And, right. Uh, he would definitely not have been a MAGA chud. But like Viva La Raza, you know, is pretty yeah. explicit in its, uh, you know. Absolutely. Anti-Trump. You know, it's pretty, you know, that's his Raza was like not, uh, you know, Trump's Raza, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Eddie rules. And Eddie yeah. ruled. Um, Big Eddie fan. Uh, so we get to the main card. The end. Odinson and Perot uh, defeated the workhorseman Anthony Henry and James Drake. Uh, via pinfall when Perot uh, pinned Henry with a power bomb, uh, but that was uh, that did happen because Drennan interfered and uh, led to the pinfall. So I don't know what did you. Th- this was like just there for me. Yeah, and that's like my thinking about a lot of the show is like I feel like we're gonna fly through it because so much of it was just like unremarkable. Yeah, well that's fine. There's no point in wasting like. We asked Everyone's our listeners fine. already yeah. to spend a lot of time listening yeah. to us talk, so uh, we won't yeah, ask you to listen to our banal thoughts about uh, yeah. banal magic. It was short. It was fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that's good. Fred Yehai and Shane Mercer. We've already talked about this a lot, actually. Yehai defeated Shane Mercer by submission uh, with the Koji Clutch uh, out of Shane Mercer's Moonsault and Battery. What would you think of the finish, A.T.? hated this finish i hate all of these finishes though i'm consistent it's not uh I'm not like picking on this one finish i hate all finishes where like one guy's going for a top rope move and then the other guy either like rolls through it or just sort of like like the move lands on impact but then the person who's taking the move just somehow like manages to win the match like they just no sell the big impact and like win um, and it never makes sense. It always catches me by surprise in like a way that like I don't enjoy because you're just kind of like, wait, what happened? And that's how I felt here where it was like Shane Mercer hits his finish, his cool as hell finish that's going to get over everywhere he goes. And then Yehai just takes it. He doesn't even roll through. He just like takes the, the you know, moonsault fall away slam and then like just like gets up and puts Mercer in the Koji clutch and wins the match. So I really, I thought it was like, I don't know, that's a finish you should protect. And yeah. it looked weird and dumb. Yeah, I, I felt thought, the same. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, go. Go ahead. I felt pretty much the same. Uh, I already talked about some of my issues with the match earlier. Um, I thought it was cool that on the first night, Garini got the shot against um, Yehai, and then... He lost, went back to the prelims, and then Mercer got a shot against Yehi. So that's pretty cool the way they're using the prelims in that way. Uh, Presumably this will send Mercer back to the prelims for the next show. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then we get uh, Zach Sabre Jr. uh, defeating Chris Dickinson by a submission. No clue what the name of this move is, which is that's kind of a Zach thing, right? He just kind of ends matches the way he ends matches. And it doesn't necessarily have to be his go-to finish, which I really enjoy. Um, here's my biggest thing about this. The last time I looked, this was winning the poll. What happened? Wow. Seems like a little little voter fraud on uh, WWN's... Uh, Look, there's no question about it. They weren't listening to the people. Yeah, and no matter what won, 
I know that the four-way match was well behind the other two matches. Like it was, it was substantial. Yeah. But obviously they had to end with the four-way match for the, or they could have ended with this, I guess, for it to make sense. Eh, I don't know. Yeah. But, kind of a bait and switch. Yeah. They never, they always planned in with the four-way, I think. And this um, match deserved, this match should have been the main event because I think it was the best match on the show by a good deal and certainly was better than the main event and could have, cause like I was, I really enjoyed this match, but I was disappointed when it ended because I wanted it to keep going and I wanted it to be like an epic main event style match where like, you know, there were a bunch of like cool near falls and it was, you know, built to sort of this very dramatic conclusion. And uh, in this case, it, it felt like they were just sort of telling us this was like a mid card match where Zach was going to win, you know, Zach Sabre Jr. was going to beat Chris Dickinson fairly comfortably which is fine because I thought that the beginning and the middle and like it was a really good match. And I thought that um, Lenny Leonard and the wrestlers all did a good story of like, you know, Zach has his technical proficiency. Dickinson is like, you know, he's using his power to get out of these submissions to, you know, sort of kick him off and stuff. Um, I thought that they worked hard and they hit each other hard. And it was like a really fun match. I really liked it. Um, but I wanted, I like wanted, I want, I want these guys to have like a big main event match that's like 25 minutes and with in front of a hot crowd and, you know, to really, I want them to do this like all the way is, is how I feel. Um, and also, I guess one thing that I noticed was Lenny Leonard said again, he made the remark about how Chris Dickinson has, you know, one direction, one speed, you know, straight ahead. And here, you know, it's like he sort of slips out of like a sleeper attempt. And he like he does like or he does like the one arm, you know, when someone's like in like almost like a triangle attempt and they pull him up by an arm and do the power bomb. But then he rushes in to try to do a jackknife cover. And that's when he gets caught in the submission. So I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it, but maybe there's a story that like right now, Chris Dickinson is his bull and he's very strong and he has a lot of fire. Um, But, you know, does he need to add a more tactical element of his game? Because, right, he got caught by Keith Lee in that that ground zero when he was doing well. You know, is this another instance where maybe um, he needs to sort of go back to the drawing board and add a little uh, some strategy to his, uh, you know, game plan? Yeah, because I think like building off of what we talked about on the preview leading into this match, this really shows us where Chris Dickinson is slotted in in this company, in the hierarchy in this company. We talked about on the preview of, okay, Jaka beat. Zach in a non-title match. He beat Keith Lee in a non-title match. Uh, Dickinson in the last month's shows lost to Keith Lee. Now he's lost to Zach Sabre Jr. I don't think I'm just like inventing this. It has to be purposeful that, that Jaka is just is uh, above Dickinson in the, in the pecking order in this promotion. You agree? Yes. Yeah. I would say, I mean, yeah, he has, he, you know, the two big guys that they've wrestled, he's beaten them, and and uh, Dickinson is not. Yeah, just see, that seems weird to me. I always kind of perceive Dickinson as the bigger star, so it's uh, it's a surprise to me, but it seems pretty clear at this point. Yeah. Okay, so the next match, I'm so sorry that I'm going to let our listeners down here because I saw someone explicitly call on Twitter for my burial. Uh, yeah. Of the next match. This was the MCW showcase match. Joe Keyes defeated Ken Dixon. Dear listeners, uh, in the interest of time, I also skipped this match, uh, which I feel really bad about at this point because I probably 
uh, could have buried it. But uh, was this better than that? I'm thinking it was. I wasn't really paying attention to be. Okay, excellent. All right, well let's just I move was on. Like, These guys aren't in the promotion. I can like kind of right, half watch this. Like, yeah, this I think is, that's like, on canon. Yeah, I mean, I completely skipped it, so that tells you everything I thought about it. All right, next matchup: Keith Lee defeated Tracy Williams with the ground zero. Um, did Lee? I don't know. You didn't like this match, at did you? No. I felt like it just went on forever. I liked it at the beginning of the match. I remember like in my brain, I was like, oh man, I'm going to go on the podcast and talk about how it's like another really great Tracy Williams weekend. Cause I, I felt like they went right at it. And Tracy was like kicking the knee and I, I always liked that kind of stuff. Um, but then it was just like kind of like a weird PG WWE hardcore match. It makes me think that there must be something with the Maryland commission. Cause you never really see things get so wild there. And or maybe it's okay. like a family friendly show or I don't know but what it is. Then why book a no holds barred match for this for this show? You know yeah. where the show is. I And I don't know. That's just me surmising. But I, this just felt like a very tame no holds barred match where like they did stuff with the ladder, but it didn't look that threatening, really. Um and it just felt like the match went on. There was like that awkward bit where they were just standing on the on the ramp and just like looking at each other for twenty seconds before Riddle like threw the ring bell at Lee and then kicked his leg. I, I don't know. It just it felt like it had a lot of promise at the beginning, but then it just felt like I was watching like a match I, that that was like fourth from the top on like a tables, ladders, and chair papers view. You know, where it was like we need to have like this stipulation match, but it can't be so wild and extreme that it like overshadows the real extreme stuff on the show. Yeah. Bizarrely. I really like this match, which it's funny. I don't know. I just, you know, one of the things that I really get into is he's working. Tracy is throughout the match consistently working that leg of Keith Lee's. And if that had played in to the finish or, you know, Keith Lee sold it pretty well, but it never actually was part of the narrative, like the larger overarching narrative of the match. And so that hurt it. But throughout the match, I was like, oh, I'm into this because whenever he gets in trouble, he goes back at that leg. Uh, yeah, a lot of the use of the ladders and the chairs were were lame. Like Tracy did not do a good job of, of uh, hitting those with any sort of real effect. But... I kind of enjoyed it until it just like bizarrely won after Tracy had demolished Keith Lee for a long time. So uh, that wasn't great. Uh, Stokely did come out afterward, yelled at Keith Lee that Thatcher should be the champion. He's sick of Keith Lee. And of course we got the great payoff where uh, Stokely takes the spirit bomb from Keith Lee. And I thought this was a really great bump off the spirit bomb. Like Stokely definitely sold it like death and like uh, folded up afterward. I thought he did a great job on that. So that was fun. Uh, the end comes out. Drennan's on the mic, and he comments that uh, Anthony Henry and James Drake had the best matches of their careers last night. Then the end destroyed them uh, because uh, they don't care about having great matches. Uh, they want to hurt people. And when he said they don't care about having great matches, I wanted to say, yeah, we noticed. Uh, but I didn't because I didn't have a, I didn't have a microphone. <laughs> Uh, the war that we started comes to an end. Not nice, A.B. I know. I'm sorry. 
Dickinson and Garini come out. The end stomps them out. But then the workhorsemen come out. They hit Drennan with chairs and go after the end. And uh, Catchpoint comes in, runs everyone off. Why did the end like just run away? I don't know. The whole this whole storyline is like pretty cockamamie. Uh, yeah. You know, anytime you mix like Catchpoint dissension stories with <laughs> yeah whatever's going on with the end, it's just it's all bad. Yeah. All right. Let's get right to the end of this uh, show. The main event, Evolve Championship number one contenders match. Matt Riddle is your winner and your new number one contender after defeating Darby Allen, Austin Theory, and Jaka. Darby Allen eliminated Austin Theory with a code red uh, after a combination of moves from Jaka and Riddle. Then Jaka pinned Darby Allen after a low blow and a power bomb. And Matt Riddle ultimately pinned Jaka with a tombstone pile driver. I thought this was a fine little match. I had. Uh, fun watching it, except, you know, the winner was obvious and uh, I don't really care for that direction. So I was kind of out of the match from the beginning, but like nothing they did in the match was bad. It was, uh, it was a good little match. Yeah, it was fine. I guess my whole issue with this show is it's like, it would be a solid to good or very good, like a solid to good, like TV show, but it's not very good for a thing that's you pay $10 for. I think that's an absolutely fair and good take. Yeah, that's these shows should be like free or, <laughs> you know, or I don't know, like they just shouldn't be. Yeah, like I think it's it's fine if it's yeah, that's my take. It's like a, a good if this was like, that's good. yeah, um, so I thought the match was fine. And yeah, there, it was funny because like when I saw that they this match was like the number one contenders match and after Riddle's thing last night, it was like, oh, it's Riddle, the guy who's, like, challenging Zach the night before against three guys who, like, Zack Sabre Jr. had just beaten in quick succession. Like, clearly it's it's going to be, you know, Riddle. And then I was like, that seems so obvious that there must be, like, a twist. And I was like, and then especially, like, after Darby Allen pinned Theory and then Jaka pinned Darby Allen, I was like, okay, those guys each got to score to fall. So, like, Riddle needs to score the last fall. And I was like, maybe that that's a, and I was like, no, he just, everything just kind of went according to plan. That's what I mean when I was like, this show just felt perfunctory. Um, I think that's fair. And like going back to they, yeah, sorry, uh, no, never go ahead. we can talk about that another time. I was I had some thoughts about Tracy Williams and sort of like what you can do next with them, but I'm like, we don't need, we can get into that next month or something. Yeah, sure. So um, after the match, Zack Saber Jr. came out holding up the title. Uh, Matt Riddle pointed at the title and says, "This is his company." That was it. That was all of Evolve 101. So uh, you're caught up on what happened on the shows this weekend. I uh, just remind everyone there are no shows, Evolve shows in March. They won't be back until uh, April 5th in uh, in New Orleans, Louisiana for uh, the More Than Mania weekend. Aaron and I will be there in person. And of course, we'll be back before those shows to uh, get you caught up. You know, we'll have the full cards by then, presumably. And we will break them down and get you ready for Mania Weekend. Um, we are there is some talk between AT and I about coming back in March with a one of those shows we were talking about on a previous episode. Maybe you know talking about some stuff outside of Evolve, some other things around wrestling. So we'll see if that happens or not. Uh, check us out at uh, at Evolve Pod on Twitter for that. Uh, AT, is there anything else you want to tell the listeners before we get out of here? Um. 
No, remember the Evolve Pod Challenge. You bring us evidence that Nick Gage is a member of the Jewish tribe who would be a sporting icon to me up there with the Sandy <laughs> Koufaxes and the Mark Spitzes and, um, you Nick know, Green. and the who? Nick Sean, Green. <laughs> Nick Green. Uh, Nick Green. Sean Green. Was, Who's wasn't Nick there Green? also, a, wasn't there a, uh, like a guy who played for the Dodgers named Nick Green? No, a Sean Green. I know Sean Green who played first base. But was there a Nick Green? I don't think so. I was trying to think of Sean Green, but I came to Nick Green first. Yeah, Nick Green, Sean Green, his his parents were like, he went and played baseball at Stanford, and his parents were like, oh, well, it's good if you go to Stanford because like, that way you can still be like a doctor if like baseball doesn't work out. Um, I would like to update everyone. There was a man named Nick Green who played baseball, and he did play for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I didn't make that up. Yeah. But um, anyway, I can't say whether, whether yeah, Nick, Nick Cage would, would be up there with um, all the real deal uh, people in the uh, pamphlet of Jewish sports heroes. And if you provide evidence to us at EvolvePod on Twitter, you will win free wrestling fans against fascism T-shirt. So, it's yeah, a great deal. There you go. Yeah, it's a great deal. OK, well, just to remind everyone at EvolvePod on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Aaron like the car, AP Taub for Aaron Taub. And of course, uh, subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network, or you can just catch our feed on uh, the Apple Podcast app or on the Google Play Podcast uh, app. So make sure to check us out there. Subscribe so you get everything immediately. And uh, look out in March. I think we'll probably come back with something. So look out for that. We should see you then. If you're going to be in uh, New Orleans, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the next show, Make sure to uh, look us up and uh, come chat with us, and we'll talk about how wrong we are all the time. So I think that's it. We will see you guys next time. For Aaron, I'm Aaron. Goodbye. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.